Hi everyone, welcome back to Central American Voices. I'm your host, Alejandra Quiroz. Gracias por sintonizarnos una vez más. Today we're talking with Janelle Pineda, a Los Angeles-born Salvadorian poet, educator, and, and the author of Linash Brain, a poetry chapbook who's going to be published in February 2021. She holds an MA in Creative Writing and Education from Goldsmiths University of London as a Marshall Scholar. Thank you so much, Janelle, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's so exciting to be, be on the Central American Voices podcast. So I grew up um, in L.A. Um, in, you know, a Salvadoran family that migrated um, in generations in the 70s and 80s um, around the Civil War in El Salvador. Um, and, you know, poetry has always been a really, really important part of my life. Um, I think it's been a way for me to connect with my family and culture and understand them and myself a bit better and mm -hmm. also to understand um, kind of the histories Um, that often are unspoken in Central American communities. So I feel really grateful to be in a place now where um, I've just been writing poetry for, se for several years now and I'm able to share a collection of my work um, with broader audiences. Yeah, definitely. You know, we're so excited for the book that is coming out. Actually, it's going to be out by the time this podcast is out. So we're so excited, you know, Uh, about this new chapbook and so glad that you know the poetry is part of you and that you want to share with the community which often you know sometimes we a lot of Central American writers don't get as recognition and we and you know we should have you know people more seen to all of you authors and writers who are putting you know an amazing work out there so I'm glad your poetry chapbook is going to be Uh, you know, out for everyone to read. Um, as you said, you were born in Los Angeles, but how was growing up in Los Angeles as a Salvadoran? I know the LA has one of one of the biggest Salvadoran community here, especially in LA uh, after the Mexican community. So, how was living as a Salvadoran uh, here in LA? Um, so, for me, I grew up in. Southgate, um, Southeast LA, right? And um, I think at the time I was growing up, the, the neighborhood I was in was predominantly Mexican. I remember mm -hmm. being one of like very few Salvadoran students um, at like my elementary school and, you know, kids would bully you for being Salvadoran. You know, we mm -hmm. have that, that longstanding Mexican, Central American tensions for lots of reasons, right? Um, but I think for me that manifested in a way where I just started to have a lot of shame around being Salvadorian mm -hmm. and um, kind of working through that. Right. And I think for one, I was getting that pressure from like Mexican peers um, in school. Um, and then um, I actually ended up going to like middle and high school in West LA, where a lot of my peers mm -hmm. were white, upper middle class. Um, and then I think I had shame for being Salvadorian in a whole different way. Right. I think mm -hmm. I had a lot of, different external factors um, mm -hmm. coupled with like my family's own um, shame and trauma and, and, you know, whatever else we want to call it around. like not really talking about El Salvador or why they left. And so I think even though like now as a, as an adult, right, like I really love and appreciate um, Salvadoran culture and communities in LA I think growing up for me, the experience was really one of a lot of shame. And I think that's why it's been so important to me to, to reclaim that and explore that um, and to be able to do that through learning, through education and through my poetry. Definitely. You know, I, how beautiful, you know, I feel like um, as, as a Central American, I understand you as a, someone who lives in LA. I understand you. And um, I feel like you're the first person who told me like, you know, you kind of had like a, I'm not going to say like a cultural shock, but like um, it kind of battle with who you are based on of how many, you know, like on two different places, you know, one of how, you know, we understand how predominant like the Mexican community is and the white community especially here in LA so for me to see that contrast and I'm glad that you're you know reclaiming that because I feel like when as Central Americans to reclaim our identity it 
for some reason, it oft, often seems as we have to go through, um, what's it called? Through like a, that journey of maybe not being, um, maybe you want to deny, you know, your identity, or maybe you, people don't accept you as, you know, who you are. Yeah, no, definitely. And I know the firsthand experience and I often, you know, use for writers like yourself to uh, put in their work. So how is the connection right now, especially in this chapbook that you're, uh, it's, it's coming out? How is the connection of your experiences, uh, you know, you as someone who, you know, grew up as a Salvadoran in, in Los Angeles, but at the same time, the experience that maybe you didn't experience, but your family told you, how does that art of writing and storytelling come together when it comes to poetry? No, I think um, there's definitely so much um, like intergenerational storytelling that has been a big part of my journey as a writer. And that's something that is super clear in, in this book. And I think also like um, for me, there's been a big process of exploring, of course, my own memories of growing up um like the stories I heard about El Salvador and you know how I experienced like my ethnic identity mm. and kind of how that's grown and changed a lot as I've grown um but I think intergenerational storytelling has been a really big part of my development and and really my origins for being a writer um so one of the um I think a lot of the poems in the book make it clear the ways that like my family you know, relate stories to me or, or the ways they didn't. Um, so one of my poems is very connected to the title. It's called Rain. And it kind of um, opens with like me asking my grandma, um, who like took care of me a lot while I was growing up. I'd be like, Grandma, like, uh, ¿por qué se fueron en Salvador? And she would say, oh, you know, porque hay mucho llueve. Mm. And that's, you know, that's not, obviously that's not the reason. Mm -hmm. But um, I think I grew up with this understanding of like, oh, like, you know, she just left because it rained a lot. Like, I didn't know there was a war. I didn't understand poverty. Like, how do you explain those things to a kid who's asking, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, my grandma gave me what she knew, right, which were stories. And she always told me these cuentos. Every time I saw her, I'd beg her, you know, to tell me stories. And I feel like I, I really credit her with why I'm a, I'm a poet. Um, because I loved telling stories and I loved hearing her and the way that she'd, you know, come up with stuff and phrase things and you'd be excited waiting to see what would happen next. Um, and so I wanted to capture that in my work and kind of think about how those stories have had a big effect. Um, but then also knowing what was missing from mm -hmm. those stories, right? Like my family didn't migrate because it rained mm -hmm. too much. Um, they migrated because of a lot deeper, like political, social, economic, um, circumstances. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something that I think I try to explore in the book as well. Wow. Wow. I, I, I'm honestly like, wow, because I, I feel like, um, just in that phrase that you, you know, all this, you know, all the explanation that you just share, I'm like, it's true. Or families and often tell those things when we were little for us to not get hurt or because we don't know but for you to connect to connect that later on with what the reality is and making it a poem i'm like wow you know like because like um you're connecting storytelling with history you know what i mean uh which is you know things that happen but sometimes are not tell yeah especially the point that you're sharing with us about rain how you know your grandma used to tell you because it rains a lot in el salvador and i mean if you kind of go like yeah it does rain a lot in central america because it's a tropical uh, environment but i feel like the connection that you do um to what was happening during that era may a lot of people would describe it as it was a very dark time. I mean, the rain does not signify darkness, but for some, at some point, the feeling of rain is always connected to sadness, you know? So even though like it, it does not talk about the war, but it still has what is the feeling of losing someone because of a war, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why like I ended up rain ended up becoming such a big metaphor in a lot of my poems and not intentionally like, um, you know, the book is called Lineage of Rain because I found that as a theme, like across all these things that I had been writing, when I kind of stepped back, I'm like, look at, you know, how my family has mm-hmm. talked about rain, how they've talked about water. You know, we need we need rain like it sustains us. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what um, gives things the like in the mm-hmm. natural world, the ability to grow. And yet, like um, as a kid, it was this scary thing where mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, my my grandma fled the rain. Mm-hmm. You know? and, Part of the, what the poem goes into is like, I used to be so scared every time it rained, I'd be like, oh no, what's <laughs> happening, right? Oh. Um, like, we gotta go, we gotta run away. And um, I was a very anxious kid. And so I feel like I really internalized that, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's, it's um, to me, a very important metaphor for how like intergenerational trauma is also passed down mm-hmm. and, and understood. Oh, definitely. That is very important. Uh, the even though you said like, oh, it, it's like a metaphor that is continuously in the book. At the same thing, it's very personal to you, not only because of you know what your mom told you, but you know, it, I think like you said, you you can like someone a reader or who you as a writer or whoever is reading the book. At some point, the the name of rain can signifies different things depending of how the reader feels is feeling that poem if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah for yeah. sure um and you know one of the things that i feel that it was very for me when i read it i like i it was como te puedo decir es como que me me dijo o como me dio más ganas de quererlo leer uh, when I was reading your mm. preview of the book how you describe this book as being a homage to women love letters to mothers and sisters and daughters so at the same time you know like I for me I'm like I'm I'm, I'm I am a, a person who didn't grow up most of my life with my parent like with my dad And that, you know, actually, uh, lately I, I discovered this pattern and I mean, that, that's another topic, but like, just to mention, like, it's like, you know, like my mom is a single mom. My aunts, most of them are single mom. My grandma's a single mom. My great grandma was a single mom. So the importance for me of women and love, if caring has, has always been there. No matter, you know, who, what paternal, you know, figure I had, you know, from my grandparents, like my dad, it's, you know, but is I don't know when I saw that, I'm like, wow, like I, I really want to read more. And so tell me a little bit how the, the figure of a woman and that homage to women are in this book that definitely a big part of the book is celebrating the women in my life um i think that i am just so grateful um and i i understand the sacrifices mm-hmm. that it has taken from the women in my life um to for me to be able to to be who mm-hmm. i am for me to be able to to write poems and to dream a career mm-hmm. you know dedicated to, to storytelling this way mm-hmm. right like what a what a privilege for me to be able to to be here and that's you know that's not without a lot of a lot of sacrifice from people beyond me and um i think like the the poem that i uh, spoke about earlier rain you know really tries to think about the ways that Salvadoran women um, have always been kind of having to survive, mm-hmm. right? I think that's a theme that comes up in my book a lot. Um, and then I also, you know, just brought it back to um, my, my, you know, my immediate family, uh, my sisters, right? I have a poem about my older sister called To the Eldest Daughter, kind of thinking about how the eldest daughters in a lot of um, like migrant families and a lot of like Central American households um, end up taking on a lot of like caretaking responsibilities, right? If, um, you know, parents are working or, you know, they have bigger, bigger problems in terms of like immediate survival needs than like who ends up taking care of kids, right? Um, And I know that that's, that's a poem that whenever I've shared with folks, like a lot of people really resonate with that. Um, you know, I have a poem about my little sister braiding my hair, 
right? And these intimate moments that are so much about the ways that women show up for each other and care for each other. Um, and I think I just really wanted to, to celebrate that and to have this book be one, um, that centers that love and care, um, between women. Wow. You have me like here crying for like a bit. <laughs> I'm the oldest daughter, okay? <laughs> oh. Well, shout out to you. That poem's oh, for you. Nick. I'm like, right now, when you were talking, I'm like, I need to read it ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> what page number is it where is it <laughs> when i get the book i'm like where is it um because um it's true i feel like as an experience for myself that i can tell you is that being the oldest the first daughter the first granddaughter and the first niece is is something and um i feel like uh, sometimes I didn't think about it when I was growing up, but now that I'm older, I'm I'm often like I don't want no, you know, like um, you're how can I explain it for the oldest daughter? It's like um, you're very protective, but at the same time, you take it like you said a role that you didn't decide; it just happened as a nature. So I'm glad, you know, like to see. <laughs> I mean, to, I want I want to read that book. <laughs> like um, yeah, and um, I'm glad that you know this book. No, only talks about, you know, the Salvadoran roots and the history and the storytelling behind, you know, migration, but at the same time celebrates women because in a culture so like so big and so rich, sometimes we don't look at or size how powerful or women's or mothers or grand like, you know, um grandmas are. And how they are honestly the ones who have inspired, like you said, like they're the one who have inspired us to pursue, you know, the careers that we wanted. They're the one who have sacrificed everything, um, you know, and it's truly amazing that your uh, book centers that love and that sacrifice and that, you know, that caring that not only you know, it's an immigrant family, but at the same time of someone who's living and in this current, you know, time in El Salvador, you know? So I feel like it's a very um, special, you know, book for all the women out there for, to be celebrated and loved. Um, I know you share again in, like, uh, in the preview of your book that through all this poem, you wanted to answer, how do we hold each other temporarily in a world replete with pain and many forms of violence as i have mentioned you know like um how this poem is so beautifully because it celebrates that what you know the love of women and those women figures in our life if we go to you know the you know what is in el salvador um we have a lot of violence against our women's so I feel like I, when I saw that question in your preview, I was like, oh, you know, like it's true. So um, I know you want the reader to be able to at the end of the book to be able to answer that. But like for you, how do you think that how how would you answer that based on the poems? Yeah, I think that for me moving away from like all the pain and violence um, and systemic trauma, mm -hmm. right? Whatever we want to, you know, go into um, it for me, it's, it's moving towards poetry as something that can allow us to celebrate each other, to hold these moments, to really honor people in our lives um, and to dream for a better future. Right. And like, I think um, there are a few poems in the, in the book that kind of try to imagine um, a different world, you know, or try to see the future in a different way. Um, and I think that those are all like love poems and mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways, love poems to, to my mom, to the diaspora, to, you know, um, people like, it's just a, a lot of it is trying to, to hold that love and care in a more intimate way. Cause I think a lot of what we run into in, um, like, organizing spaces or you know even just in dialogues mm -hmm. about all the big isms right like we talk about racism classism sexism misogyny you know whatever else 
and we end up talking about like what we don't want to see, mm-hmm. right? And it's like this is wrong, and here's why. And I think um, what I've seen and something I've learned a lot from is like we also need to spend time imagining what we do want. We need to spend time envisioning like esto es lo que quiero mm-hmm. ver, you know, and this is this is what what it should be, or or um, this is what I want to choose to to hold and remember, mm-hmm. you know. Definitely. And I think that is a very, um, very powerful thing of like imagining what you want, because then, you know, like you start imagining, imagining what you want. It will come true, you know, what you want. Yeah, you know? I feel like, you know, I know people say like, lo tenés que decir para que sea de verdad, but like in this case, you know, like if any type of, you know, like you said, any type of thing that if you want to not live in a world with like racism or misogyny or like classes, you know, that type of thing, you need to imagine the world without it and eventually we'll get there, you know? So I think that is very um, powerful. Uh, you know, the the answer, because I, I, you know, like I haven't read the book, you know, hopefully, you know, by when it's out, like I'm going to be able to read it. and. I was like, I myself have been answered. I haven't been able to, you know, answer questions like that. Like, what would it be, you know, or how can we try to imagine, you know, what it, what can it be, you know, if we didn't have this type of things that are at this moment affecting us, you know? And even though, yeah, we'd say like, oh, hopefully in the future, but like, yeah, we, we, try to think like hopefully in the future, but instead of imagining what it could be now, so that way we can actually make it happen in the future. Right. Right. And no, and if I can add one thing, I'm just thinking about how, um, like we live in the present, right. But we're continually creating our future and, and kind of like something that I, encountered a lot even when I was putting together this book right Mm -hmm. and and like especially as a chapbook it's a short poetry collection Mm -hmm. so I also had to be very intentional about well what do I really want to include Mm -hmm. and you know what maybe doesn't belong in this specific book and um, there are a series of poems that are very specific to my experience in academia Mm -hmm. and higher education and feeling very isolated for one um but also like being, you know, um, being questioned, mm-hmm. right? Like there are a lot of people who do not want to see um, people like me in these mm-hmm. spaces succeeding. Um, I think that's something that I encountered a lot. And there's a lot of pain around that. Um, and initially, one of the first like manuscripts of, of the book had a lot of poems that were angry and that were, um, you know, very much trying to address that pain mm-hmm. and to stay and, and to, to still, you know, um, come out on the other side and say, like, no, here is my worth and and here's how I overcame this. Right. And I think that's a narrative we see mm-hmm. a lot. Right. Where like you see um, people who succeed despite all these mm-hmm. obstacles. Um, and I think that that's part of it. But what I ended up deciding is that I don't want to just remember succeeding despite certain obstacles I want to remember that I succeeded because I have a community of people who really love me and care about me and have held me through this process um and so I think that helped me heal too because it's easy to or it was easy initially to write these angry poems and then I said well yes like it's true that the institution failed me it's true that the institution did not show up for me um but you know who did like my little sister you know um, and my mom and, you know, all these people that probably wouldn't get credit in a, mm-hmm. in an academic space. Um, and yet I'm like, no, they're, they're why I'm here. I think as a, um, as you know, you as a writer, I feel like putting your emotions and, you know, how you feel is, 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 you know, is right of, you know, I feel like that motivation, that emotion, that feelings at, I, 
I, I'm not a writer myself, but I know that it inspires you and it makes you, you know, it comes out words that will describe better, you know, the feeling or how you felt in academia, how you feel in certain places as, you know, as a woman, as a woman of, you know, as Central America, as a woman of color. And I, the feeling of anger, the feeling of anger is so right. Um, I often talk with my mom how, like, us as women, sometimes when we go to, you know, like you said, those play spaces in academia and like you write in, in your case, you write something that is very important to you, but not to others. Or it might offend others, like in this case, like males or in my or in my people might think that you are like uh, pushy or like anger and I I personally think that we are perceived like that way because for some reason, I don't know, they just, I don't, I don't know how to rephrase it because I like, I just, I get mad at the fact of like other people pursuing someone as, oh, she's just angry. She's always mad or for something like that. Um, but when it's in the when, but it, if someone like a male um, does it, it's totally fine. So if you, uh, when you were describing your point that, you know, like you had those emotions, angry emotion, happy emotions, you know, like, you know, oh yeah, the system felt me. And, you know, like, and now you're just, I think those emotions are valid because we are human beings and we have those emotions, like I feel like in our everyday and, you go to those spaces and you're like angry because they're looking down on you or they don't think you're capable or they, they you're the only one there maybe. And then you go home, but you have your family there and that's the support that no one sees. Does the, does the recognition mm -hmm. that is not in a paper that, you know, like for me, I, I remember I told my mom, like I went to, you know, college and I graduated and I watched my mom's name was in my diploma and does that recognition that no one sees the sacrifice of you know both your mom and sacrifice grandma grandma your sisters and the woman and you know your fathers as well you know like all, all those you know mm -hmm. fathers and grandparents who you know are supporting you and it's, it's very nice how like you know how you said like in the world world of people always labeling others or trying to minimize the potential of others or biggest support and our biggest potential starts from our family. So I think it's very nice, the connection yeah. that you made. I really like it. Absolutely. And I think it's something, honestly, that even we, we forget sometimes. Mm -hmm. And by we, I mean like first generation college yes. students, um, I think so much of it is is a struggle mm -hmm. and it's real. Right. And and I think like it's there's a reason why, you know, and I think we have a right to the mm -hmm. anger. We have a right to our pain and to our hurt. Um, but then what I didn't want to do is to just forget that, like, OK, like, yeah, maybe, you know, um, my parents were not able to help me in ways that that that. I might've wanted or mm -hmm. ways that, that other, um, some of my peers had, but I cannot deny how much they have been like just the, the, the most important support system in my mm -hmm. life, you know? And I think it's easy to like get caught up in, Oh, well, like I'm, I'm doing this on my own mm -hmm. and, and this is hard and this is scary. And, um, you know, I, I have imposter syndrome or, you mm -hmm. know, whatever else you want to, you want to say. And, and those things are real, pero a la misma vez is to acknowledge the whole picture, mm -hmm. right? So like there's, there's that pain and hurt and isolation. And there's also this great amount of care um, that I was very, very fortunate to have, mm -hmm. you know. Definitely. I think it's, it's, it's true what you said about people, you know, like first generation uh, who go to college sometimes we, I mean, college, I feel like <laughs> you do feel alone <laughs> most of the time. Um, yeah. And you often, you get into the the little life of like, uh, oh, no, pues nadie me ayuda. Yo lo hago todo sola. <laughs> <laughs> Ay, que, y uno llora por un lado. <laughs> and I'll be like, 
I know. <laughs> I mean, those emotions are valid, but I feel like if if you if if you were able to pick up the phone and call your parents, I mean, that only that like a call like that is is someone who is supporting you. And even though like we don't see it, like I mean, it's there. So I think it's very it's very nice. Like it gets very. I really like the connection. That's really nice because if of someone who if you know listeners out there who have experienced this feeling of being alone going to college being all those places that you feel alone and i'm like i'm i'm sure that you as you know like as a writer you have been in those places that you you don't see nobody like you you know mm-hmm. and you're like oh you know you doubt yourself but you know that if you take someone like Oh, like, mami, fíjate que esto y esto. Mamá, your mom is going to be, no se preocupe, mija. Yo la quiero mucho apoyar. You know, like, something like that. I know. So, I feel like that's super and it's oh. so nice. You know, like, that's important. Those little comments of, like, it doesn't yeah. matter if you feel alone at that moment, you have someone out there. So, I think yeah. it's really true. Like, I mean, the system, society, like, the society is, like, some at, at some point, it has the bad yeah. things but the support the, from your home I think is very nice I love that <laughs> I I love um just kind of you you sharing about that because it reminds me of like for one um my grandma who's the same the same grandma I write about in the rain poem um I remember I had gotten accepted to a really prestigious like program in England and I was so excited and I go to tell her and I'm like you know I got this this scholarship I'm gonna go like this is great and she says oh like where is it and I'm like oh it's in England y me dice you're you know like vas a estar en avión sola por 12 horas and I was like yeah <laughs> and she's like wow te admiro mucho <laughs> and I'm like that's I'm like that's that's not really the part that I'm, I'm I think that is admirable, but I guess right because she's she's like I can't believe you're gonna sit on a plane by yourself for 12 hours. Like to her, mm-hmm. that is the the end of it, you know. Um, and so it's it's sweet, and I feel like there have been moments where I'm like, oh, like you know, I was trying to tell her like this is really cool and exciting, and. There's, I know there's a part of that that she's not necessarily going to get, but I know que el amor está ahí no matter exactly. what, you know? Exactly. And it was so nice that, like, she was like, she was saying, we're like, oh my God, va a estar solita. And I'm 100% what she was, she was thinking. It's like, va a comer, se va a pasar, que pasa si se duerme, que pasa si le hacen algo. That's what she was thinking. <laughs> I know. I know. That's what she is thinking. That's how grandmas express their love because, you know, like, if grandma knows that you're not eating, like it's like the end of the world. <laughs> I know. And it's, it's sweet yeah. though. Cause I think it also reminds me what is the most important mm-hmm. thing. You know, like I remember once when I was in college, I called her and I said, like, I was just having a really, really tough semester. Mm-hmm. And I had this paper and I was like, I am not going to get this paper done. Mm-hmm. It's a really big part of my grade. And she was like, you know, you go right on that paper Esa soy yo, y ya. Like, mm-hmm. if your paper is half finished, if it's not, you know, if it's not complete, you turn it in, you tell the professor, esa soy yo, oh, y ya. So like, cool. you know? Um, <laughs> and it was so precious to me. Oh I'm like, yeah, like, the world is not going to end over one paper, exactly. even, you know, when it feels that way. And she, she's like, come on. Like, you are who you are, and, and go from there. Oh, my there. God, exactly. And, you know, I, <laughs> if I would have known this... And this is so, and you know, one of the things that you said, you know, like how you were stressed out in calling your, you know, your grandma, and I think it's very nice. And of course, it ties to what you write because it's that connection, the love uh, that you write, and what makes you, you know, inspire you. I remember, and of, I didn't want to share with my mom when I wasn't accepted to the film production in my school. So I went in as in like an undergrad for film and central. And then I got my double major for Central American Studies. And I got denied when I submitted my portfolio. And I didn't understand. And I, I didn't understand why. Of course, you're going to be like, why? Like, 
my application was perfect. You know what I mean? Um, which for me, for me, of course, also like it, it was like exactly how I would describe it. Just how your grandma said that that was me. I put effort and everything that you can imagine. Like I did even, I think even the extra side of it. Um, and I got denied. And I remember I went to, I didn't want to tell my mom cause you know, I was like, I don't want her to worry, but at the same time, I don't want her to think that I couldn't do it, you know, because she has always been there. And I know if I told her, she would be like, it's okay. Don't worry. But I wanted to make sure that like, the moment I get to tell her, I already had an answer because at that point I didn't. So when I went to the office, I was, I, I was mad. I was like, like, can you explain to me why my application wasn't accepted? And the person in my office told me it's because you have a double major. And I looked at them. It's like, if you drop your double major, we can accept you. Even though I love, you know, like oh, wow. I love my majors, but I was not going to drop my Central American major, not even thinking it twice. No, I didn't even think it twice. I think I just said no. And, you know, like I know people will be like, why? You know, like, you know, it's film. I just decided instead of being the film program of the cinema and television art department, I just went for TV and that moment I knew that was better for me because I was able to find myself more of what I actually want to do uh, and want to study and what I actually like, which is documentaries. But when I told my mom, I remember I told her like, oh, mommy, fíjate que, pues, que no me aceptaron el portfolio, mamá. Y me queda viendo. She's like, cuando te diste cuenta? <laughs> like, you know, she didn't tell like, wow, nothing. She's like, I was like, oh, pues, como hace como unas, you know, tres semanas. Pero, pero le digo, pero es que, le dije, pero eso es lo que lo, es lo que se lo pierde. <laughs> that was mad. Like, you know, like, I worked hard for that. And I was like, pero eso es lo que lo pierde. Porque ellos nomás querían que no tuviera, like, you know, second major. And my mom was like, it's okay. They're missing on someone who's going to have two majors at the same time. You know, at that mm -hmm. moment, I knew that I should have told her since the beginning and do not go alone in this journey of what I'm going to do because I did have a moment that I was just going to drop my media um, side and I was just going to stick with my Central American major. But I, I was like, that I was in my head I'm like no that doesn't feel like me and I was trying to think like what would my mom tell me but at the same time like I didn't want to worry if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely yeah so I I mean it's it's very nice like you know those type of conversation like you know there's so minimum but later you tend to see to see back and you're like damn like that person was there and for me, right. like, even though, like, I didn't want to tell her, I knew she would have been, like, even later she was mad because I didn't tell her at the beginning. But, you know, that's okay. <laughs> you know, she was like, ¿Por qué no me dijiste? And I was like, no, because I didn't want to worry you. I'm like, no, you, you're not going to worry me. You know, so I feel like those type of things, like, connections and, like, it, 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 in my case, I'm I'm not a writer, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm someone who is a filmmaker and a documentarian. And that's mm -hmm. what, for me, when I see something to create, that's the love that I put because it has inspired me from the support that no one sees, you know? But it's always like, even though she's not behind the camera, I'm like, it's kind of like she is. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of the things like, I, you know, like kind of like going back to the topic, because I really like how the connection that you have, even though in, in this beautifully, how you stay there, how, you know, um, our family should get more recognition. Um, and and it, it was very beautiful. And thank you, you know, again, for sharing the story with your grandma, because it's so cute. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing your story. I think it's, it's great to like, see where they're the connections right in in how our families show up for us and it's just beautiful i love it i love it yes i mean i, I just i don't know i love my family and i'm sure you love it uh, yours too and they're just like the support that i feel like everybody needs in any time <laughs> and um i was gonna ask yeah. you um this poem you shared this poem with me 
before recording. And it's a really, really beautiful poem. When I read it like twice, um, because I was, I was like, one was like taking it everything and the other one was like, okay, I need to, you know, prepare and ask and kind of like sacarlo todo lo que puedo. <laughs> Uh, of what I understand of the poem and it's a very beautiful poem the title is in another life and even though I personally am I'm, I'm sure you didn't live to the war of El Salvador but your family did and many generations passed of course and it made me imagine what would have happened if the war didn't happen you know, if those were, you know, no, si no me ha pasado la guerra de Guatemala o del Salvador in this case, or like the, the civil, you know, like el, el movimiento over there in Nicaragua, how would Central America or how in this case El Salvador would look? It made me, like, I literally sit down and started imagining, like, what would have happened si the horrendous things that happened in El Salvador didn't happen at all? What did life look up? I started imagining, you know, like my families, my friends that I know they're Salvadoran who always tell me stories about what happened in those times. And I'm like, what would it like, what those stories will be, you know, because now if you ask them, it's mainly like, oh, es que en la guerra, you know, but what happened that didn't happen, you know. So it's a very beautiful poem. And I wanted to ask you, so why didn't, like, what inspired you to write the poem? Because it's like, how can you, but for me, like how I try to imagine what it would be if the war didn't happen. Absolutely. No, and, and I think like the poem starts with um, that line, right? Of like, the war never happened, but somehow you and I still exist. Mm -hmm. And that is written um, in part to like the diasporas that, that come from war, you know, um, for myself, I know that if the war didn't happen, um, do I necessarily exist in the same way? Like my parents actually, like though they're both Salvadorian, both of them met in LA after migrating, you know, would they have migrated if there wasn't a war? Would they, right? And so I kind of can spiral through that, but, and I think that's an important premise, mm -hmm. but a la misma vez, um, I think the poem also goes beyond mm -hmm. that. Like towards the end, it's also imagining that like colonization never mm -hmm. happened, right? Mm -hmm. Like in, it, it creates a whole new world of possibilities. And the reason that I, or the way that I started to write this poem is um, I had spent a few years of like undergrad kind of doing research on El Salvador. Um, I knew nothing about the war before college. So I was really going in to learn mm -hmm. everything, right? And I, you know, did research and like I traveled to El Salvador to like interview people and kind mm -hmm. of really see it for myself. And um, one of the places that I visited on that trip was El Mozote. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that struck me for one is um, just ha never having heard of, of, mm -hmm. of it before that moment. El Mozote being one of the, you know, both brutal massacres in like modern Latin American history. Um, and it happened in El Salvador, right? And I think that for me, what was so shocking is that every time, you know, when we're driving there from my, um, San Salvador, um, you know, my tío took me out there. And every time he'd mention El Mozote, people would be like, oh, like, donde pasó la masacre? Mm -hmm. um, and so always those were associated, right? And to me, it kind of started with, well, what, what world would it take for Mozote and Masacre mm -hmm. to not be associated, right? One of the lines in the poem is Mozote does not mean massacre, which it, it doesn't literally, but if you bring mm -hmm. it up, that's, that's, that's the, the image that comes to mind. mind. Yes. Right. Right. And it wasn't always the case, right? And Mozote was a full like town with people, um, children, like all, you know, there's, there's a whole livelihood to it that is now, like not seen in the same way because of its history. And I wanted to imagine, well, what would it be without mm -hmm. that? And how do we dream a better world? Um, and I think what's complicated about that poem is that like a lot of it is really reckoning with 
the problems that we have right now mm-hmm. and trying to like create something different and beyond that right like i say in that poem there is no there is no border you know there is no blood right i'm imagining us taking away all of these these issues and instead bringing like kids playing and running freely and um just trying to dream that utopia a little bit in that within that work mm-hmm. definitely i think it's it's i i guess I, you know like uh, the poem not only makes you wonder what it would be without all this you know war will happen in the without colonization but at the same time makes you think of like you know, would I exist, you know, and like, you know, in your mm-hmm. case, sorry, in your case, uh, or others who, you know, I started thinking, you know, my, my suegra is Salvadoreña and she migrated after a war. And I'm like, well, my boyfriend would not exist for sure, you know, um, mm-hmm. or how, you know, or how the who had existed probably in El Salvador. And I think it's a very beautiful how you tied it down to imagining the beautiful of it how you know and it's true when you said because i i mean when i read the part of mosote before reading the rest of the line i know what you were referring i know that's the first thing that mm-hmm. came to my mind oh you know lo que pasó, mm-hmm. la matanza, you know and thinking of like it honestly is not long ago you know when that matanza mm-hmm. happened so what it was before, which is something that we, as we grew up, you know, now reading it as part of our history and like hearing stories, we don't know if someone doesn't tell you, we don't know what El Mosote was before it. Because now mm-hmm. it's like, if you mention Mosotes, what you said is honestly, it's like Mosote equals matanza you know like it's, it's how we mm-hmm. see it now and to imagine in a very lifeful and happy and like children's playing everywhere and like eating mangoes i think i mentioned and you know mm-hmm. i feel like uh it's it's a I, I mean in this sense it's like a i for me personally that's how i felt when i was reading it that I, that and this is something that I told you before that I um that poetry for me like is kind of like where I start imagining so it's like a mini movie so for me when I was reading it I was seeing it you know and it was I mean it, it, it's something I would have said like I want to go live over there you know because it felt happy it felt like um nada hubiera pasado nothing of you know what it what affected us and you know continue to affect us today like didn't start so we would just be happy sharing and loving each other and being you know with our community so i think that in another life hopefully i mean it's not gonna happen in another life but isn't is it is the life that we can only imagine Due to what happened. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And I know um, now Janelle Pineda is going to share that poem that we just talked about uh, in another life. So go ahead. In another life. The war never happened, but somehow you and I still exist. Like obsidian, we know only the memory of lava and not the explosion that created us. Forget the gun down church, the burning flesh, the cabbage soup. There is no bus, there is no border, there is no blood. There are only sweet cornfields and mango skins. The turquoise house and clotheslines a heaping plate of pasteles and curtido waiting to be disappeared into our bellies. In this life, our people are not things of silences, but whole worlds bursting into breath. Everywhere, there are children playing freely, clothed and clean. Mozote does not mean massacre 
and flowers bloom in every place shoes are left behind. My name still means truth, this time in a language my mouth recognizes, in a language I know how to speak. My grandmother is still a storyteller, although I am not a poet. In this life, I do not have to be. This poem somehow still exists. It is told in my mother's voice, and she makes heart dissolve like honey in hot water, manzanilla warming the throat. You and I do not find each other on another continent, grasping at each other's necks in search of home. We meet in the mercado, my arms overflowing with mame and danonas, and together we wash them in river water. We watch sunset fall over a land we call our own and do not fear its taking. I bite into the fruit, mouth sucking seed from substance, pulling its veins from between my teeth. Our laughter echoes from inside the cave, one we are free to step outside of. We do not have to hide here. We do not have to hide anywhere. A torogos flies past my face, and I do not fear it's flapping. I'm trying to like do it as fast as I can. <laughs> beautiful <laughs> is so beautiful. Oh my god! And I think it's like I don't know. It makes it more emotional. Like after you read it with all the like the emotion, I don't know. It makes it a hundred times better. <laughs> uh, but thank you, Janelle, for uh, sharing the beautiful poem. Again, thank you for being with us today and having, you know, the time to come and share your poems, the creativity behind it, what inspire you, and this amazing book, who's going, which is going to be published the February twenty 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 one, which is I think is going to be out by the time this episode is going to be released um everything of where you can purchase the book and her social medias are going to be down there but if you uh if anything you want to share where they can find you you can just you can share it but i will put it down in the notes yeah i'm on i'm on the on all the socials my website is janelpineda.com yes. <laughs> and um you can, get, you can get a signed copy of the book um from my website or you know you'll be able to find it on uh, your support your local independent bookstores as well yeah. um but i'm really excited for people to have access to this book i think i definitely wrote a book that i wish i would have had growing up um and that was a big a big intention in in the work and and i hope that it brings that kind of warmth and just experience of feeling seen to to people who come across it and yeah mm -hmm. thank you so much um Alejandra, for having me on, on the no, it was it was an honor for me to have you in the show so thank you and for everyone please you know support your local bookstore support chanel so everything in the link is going to be in the notes so that way you can go and you know purchase the book <laughs> uh thank you chanel don't forget to check our website at centralamericanvoices.com where you can subscribe to our mailing list also follow us on instagram at sentime voices podcast and on twitter at sentime voices pod you can also like and follow our facebook page where you can join the central american voices facebook group if you'd like to support this podcast and my work you can donate through our website or become a patron i really appreciate it also don't forget to come back for our next episode